0: Welcome Bears fans, uh, this is a new edition of Bears Scat, and this is the I'm Pretty Proud of this Scat edition. Uh, I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we're coming to you from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. Excellent. And uh, each week we go over to Allery's Bar in St. Paul to watch uh, the Bears Uh while being surrounded uh, on all sides by green and
1: purple. <laughs> Not at the bar itself. Not at the bar itself. The bar itself is a Bears bar, but it, it's kind of a slice of home away from home, just because, like you said, you, you walk around up here and you have to deal with the the enemy all the time. Yes. And the enemy that has been more successful than the Bears <laughs> over the last couple decades, so it's it's a little insufferable, but it's nice to have a place where... Bears fans can commiserate. Absolutely, absolutely. So make sure to uh, stop
0: over if you're ever in Minnesota. So this uh, week, obviously, the talk is completely about the coaches and how the staff has been filled out, and it's been filled out pretty nicely. I think. I think I would uh, say that I, I'm overall pretty pleased.
1: Uh, what you know? How are you going to start? Um, I think since the last time we recorded, uh, a lot has happened. We uh, got introduced publicly to Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles. We had a uh, surprise hiring in the NFL, Josh McDaniels, who yes. was high on my list, and I didn't know he was available, but he accepted the head coaching job with the Raiders. We had another candidate, Jim Harbaugh, uh, do his whole song and dance with the Vikings. Not sure what to <laughs> make of all that, and then... Just also, we've had a lot of new information about the assistant coaches that are coming in here to coach the Bears. So I don't know what's what's the best place to start. Do you want to start with polls and Eberflus? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about the press conferences. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know a press conference is a press conference, right? I mean, if it's not a complete failure then i think it is better than most bears conferences that i've heard (laughs) we've seen some complete failures this year recently (laughs) typically involving george mccaskey and ted phillips so i think it was nice that neither of them were a big part of the introductory press conference for the new coach and the gm yeah yeah we don't need to hear from them um but you know they're also just words right i mean I, i would say that a lot of people left the press conference feeling fairly uninspired but you know, I don't really think that means very much. I think Ryan Poles sounds like a really, really thoughtful, smart guy that has a vision for how he wants his football team to play. Yeah. Matt Eberflus, I mean, he's a defensive coordinator, right? He's up there talking about effort and his hits principle and rallying to the ball. It all sounds really good. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's gonna be a, a matter of what we see put into action as opposed to their words though. How about
0: um uh how about polls in his I want young violent players. <laughs> yeah, I I do too. I agree. Yeah, me too. <laughs> violent and fast would be good. Yeah, I I I really enjoyed um watching Ryan Poles. Uh I'm most excited about him out of all the hires and simply because he seems like a very intelligent detail oriented driven professional. He seems like his he has all of his enthusiasm and fervor wrapped up in this new challenge in his life and I just can dig on that.
1: Yeah. I love it. I mean, to your point about detailed, everybody that I've heard talk about him comments on how organized he is, which is not something that I would typically associate with a NFL executive. But that's good to hear. I think that speaks to somebody that is professional and is, you know, going to run this like like a well run business, right? I also think. I mean, we joke about the violent player comment, but what he's talking about there is playmakers right the Bears have no playmakers currently (laughs) at least not on offense right I mean we we have to look that up in the dictionary yeah I mean we got a couple of decent offensive players but they're not guys that when they get the ball in their hands you know you think about a guy like Jamar Chase right where if he catches the ball at the line of scrimmage all of a sudden you look up and he's 50 yards down the field in the end zone we haven't had a guy like that ever right (laughs) so you know that's what he's talking about there is Guys that when they get the ball in their hand can change the game. And one thing that I heard was a report that I really feel encouraged by is that one of the things that he really impressed Polian and McCaskey with was how candid he was about the Bears' offensive line and how he needs it, or how he thinks it needs to be fixed. Yeah, so that's good. I mean, we don't know what players he's talking about specifically. I mean, we have ideas, right? We know who's good and who's bad on the Bears' offensive line. Sure, but the fact that a he was a lineman and b you know that's something that he was very specific about. Apparently, in his job interview, is is something to be excited about. I think right, and
0: and uh, that uh, his two rookies for. Kansas City last year, both graded out very high in metrics. Uh, you know,
1: starting right from right from the get go. Yeah, Creed Humphrey, the sixth round pick that the Chiefs made last year, played center. And some people argue Creed. <laughs> it's a great name too. But <laughs> some people argue that he was the best center in the league as a sixth round pick, right? So I don't know if that's true or not. But the fact that people are putting him in that conversation says really highly about his ability to right. evaluate talent. So and I and I.
0: Um, I am really excited about the fact that uh, that's one of the things that he's going to be focused on. Because it has been forever since we've had anybody be focused on the offensive line. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Blues Brothers offensive line of the 80s teams was unbelievable. You know, those guys are finally starting to get their due as far as the Hall of... The, as far as the Hall of Fame goes, with Mark Bortz getting in at the most recent, and you know, but that whole team, um, you just hear those former players of the '85 team talk about those guys, and they were the Blues Brothers, they were the unsung heroes, they were the guys with the black with the black suits and the dark glasses, because they, they nobody really thought about them being there but they were
1: really the power of that offense yeah and I, I think that everybody thinks that the offensive line is one of the most important parts of the football team right well everybody except Ryan Pace obviously <laughs> because <laughs> Ryan Pace never invested anything in the offensive line and and people always hey he got Bobby Massey He did. That was a great signing. (laughs) People always go back and talk about this past year, right, where the Bengals, instead of drafting Panay Sewell, left tackle from Oregon, drafted Jamar Chase instead. And people kind of use that as a gotcha, like – Well, the Bengals are pretty happy with Chase. They took the receiver over the potential franchise left tackle. And I agree, that worked out well for them, but that is the exception. It is the exception. Jamar Chase is special. He is. And Panay Sewell might might be really good, too. He graded out fairly well as a rookie, I, I think. But, you know, typically, I think teams would say that the offensive line is the place where you want to start investing. I mean... The game is still a matter of who's going to play well in the trenches, right? And with Matt Nagy, when did we ever see the Bears, when they needed a yard, line up and say, we're going to run this right up behind our center and our guards and we're going to get it and there's not a damn thing you can do to stop it. Like, that never happened. It was all (laughs) some sort of silly trickery whenever you needed a yard. I mean, go look at other good teams. And when they need a yard, they're giving it to their their quarterback or their running back and they're just saying, we're going to follow – our big guys up front, and we're going to push you around and get that first down. Right, so.
0: they're they're not trying to uh, run uh, off tackle or. Uh, like you said, run some cockamamie play <laughs> where it starts
1: off six feet, six yards in the backfield. Typically preceded by Matt Nagy running around on the sidelines like <laughs> an idiot because he couldn't get the play in or because the headsets went out. Right, and it's like right. it's like the play finally gets called, and it's like that's what you were so concerned about. Like you were sprinting around like a chicken with your head cut off to yeah, run that. And yeah, of course,
0: lest we forget, um, we we got we, we must get called for false start
1: <laughs> or delay of game yeah. right before we do third and one. It's like a bingo card. But so, the, so, But um. on well, the other, other thing too is, so it was interesting to me that the assistant general manager that the bears hired Ian Cunningham from yeah. the Eagles. Hey, it was interesting to me that the bears have never had an assistant general manager position. So that's, that's says something to me too, because that means that they had to allocate money to fill that position. Right. So that means that Ryan Poles theoretically has a budget that he's able to manage and that the McCaskies have kind of given him the freedom to invest money in his front office, which is good. But also Cunningham is a a highly thought of executive from the Eagles and someone that people say is a, you know, potential general manager in the future, but he's also a former offensive lineman.
0: Yeah. You know, and I, am I'm so glad that you, uh, that you brought that up because um, I think that that was an excellent addition. And from the way I understand it, that was entirely polls. Um, and if, if, we, if he recognizes that the GM position does need an assistant there, I think that's excellent that he recognizes that and is like, you know what? I need somebody that I can delegate certain things out to that I don't need on my plate because I need to be looking at the overall picture. That's one of the things you and I have talked about too as far as the head coach goes. That's what the head coach is supposed to do. Delegate things out because he's going to go ahead and run the big picture. I want you guys to go work on this, and I want you guys to work on this.
1: That's what your jobs are. Well, and Paul said that one of the reasons he hired Cunningham was because he recognized that he needed somebody that has more experience than he does. So that is a encouraging level of self-awareness right. that I would not have associated with Ryan Pace because – for the first like four years that he was on the job, everything that Ryan Pace would mess up, people would say, "Oh, he's young, he's learning well, okay, then why doesn't he have somebody in here to advise him that could maybe help him avoid some of those first time mistakes Yeah, so I, I'm encouraged that polls was a self aware and confident enough to do that, and then B that he was given the freedom to do that. However, um, I got to stick something in there um, when we're uh, while we're talking about this.
0: I remember when Jerry Angelo, uh, uh, Warwick Holdman and Roosevelt Colvin were both coming up for free agency. And so we obviously wanted to keep both of them. Right. And, uh, uh, he forgot to check a box. Yeah. I don't check, check this box. Was that Angela? Yeah, it that was, was
1: And so we ended up uh, Well, and hang losing. on, hang, hang on, by the way. This is all because, and to this day, the NFL's entire free agency system relies on fax machines. <laughs> so he had to fax something to the league office... On a fax machine in the 2000s, by the way, and in whatever they faxed, they either didn't check the box or they they checked the wrong box, but yes, sorry, continue. I just wanted to to clarify that.
0: That, For you younger people, that's fax, F-A-X. I will reiterate, the NFL still uses fax machines. So, so... Uh, that's the way I remember they forgot to check the box so we end up losing Roosevelt (laughs) Colvin uh, who was definitely the more talented of the two to New England where he wins the Super Bowl and uh, Warwick Holdman we end up having to pay a lot more money than we were supposed to because the Packers
1: signed him uh, you know you know how when you listen to Ryan Paul's talk and you you think that guy sounds like a really really smart guy I would not have said that about Jerry Angelo no. Not not that he was a bad general manager he had some really good picks he also had some awful picks but didn't yeah. always come across as a really really bright guy no. outside of football No he,
0: he 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 struck me more as like a guy that somehow fell into
1: the job I mean he was good he knew somebody that knew somebody he, Jerry Angelo I mean there's been what three general managers? Since? Yeah, none of them were as good as him. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. I guess Ryan Poles is the third. So there was yeah. Pace, Ryan Poles is the third. Pace right? and Emory followed Angelo. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, so I, I think in general, I you know, with Ryan Poles, it, I tend to be optimistic, right? I mean, it's impossible to know. I think that he sounded, you know, good in his. Press conference, and then in the interviews that I heard with him after, it sounds like a guy that's confident and that is going to take charge of the organization, which is what we talked about wanting. Right when they fired Pace, we said we want somebody that's going to make this theirs and that's going to take ownership of it, and that isn't going to be down there talking about how much he collaborates with everybody. Right. Right. I I, so I think he's made that pretty clear. Yeah, I'd say so far so good on that front. Um, Eberflus. I talked about last week, one of my concerns being the fact that he's an effort guy, right? Like, he's he's one of those guys that coaches his defenses to rally to the ball and to hit as hard as you can. and, and Cause turnovers. It's, yeah, and it sounds like a lot of it is just predicated on playing harder than the other team. That's great as a defensive coordinator. I feel less excited about that coming from my head coach because I think the head coach needs to have more of a vision and to be able to manage a game and to make sure that everything is operating as efficiently as possible and not just that everybody's playing hard as possible because guys in the NFL are going to play hard, right? Like That's kind of a prerequisite. Yeah. But I'm willing to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because I've heard so many positive things about him as a coach and as a communicator and how well he is able to relate to players. And, you know, I think is just a, a guy that's, you know, a defensive minded coordinator rally to the ball, tough guy. I just, you know, he's not going to come off great in his first press conference. Like, so, and, and I don't think he needs to, he's not trying to motivate the fans, right? Like right. he needs to be able to motivate his players.
0: Yeah. And so, um, I, am in agreement, uh, with all of that. And, but i i do feel like i felt when i watched the when i watched him in the press conference i felt like he he definitely has a leadership kind of feel to him i did like the whole uh the fact that he was like no i'm not going to call a defense mm-hmm. you know um i don't think he, that question needs to be answered but it kind of does well and it was answered <laughs> definitively right yeah. like
1: Right. It, it wasn't like Matt Nagy that was tying himself in knots to not have to admit that he was or wasn't calling plays. Like Iber Flus just said in his open press in his introductory press conference, I will not be calling the defense. I don't believe that a head coach should be calling plays.
0: And and it's like yes, thank you. Yeah. That that's because you're not supposed to be doing that. That's why you have a defensive coordinator. Yeah. I do feel like he is a big picture guy. And also, just the simple fact of the matter, I like I am excited about polls. And if polls, if this is polls guy, I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. Until further evidence shows that I shouldn't be good with it, I'm good with it.
1: Well, and and the fact that he's not calling the defense means that both the offensive and defensive coordinator positions are effectively running that side of the ball, right? So yes. this is more applicable to the offensive side because there's more offensive-minded head coaches in the NFL. But, for example, the guy that they hired, Luke Getze, could have been the offensive coordinator for the Packers, but the Bears' job is a better resume builder for him because if he had stayed with Green Bay, he wouldn't be calling plays. He wouldn't be developing the offensive game plan because Matt LaFleur, the head coach up there, runs the offense, right? So that's becoming more and more common in the NFL, that the head coach is kind of a glorified offensive coordinator. So the fact that that's not the case here means that we should, in theory, be getting the top tier of offensive coordinators that are looking to become head coaches, right? Like as we've talked about, that has a a downside too, and that if Luke Getze comes here and is successful for one or two years, then he's going to get hired by somebody else as their head coach. But he has to be successful here first in order for that to happen. And so I, I tend to think that the fact that Iberflus will be giving that level of autonomy to both of his coordinators is a is a good thing. Yeah, I um I I, I like the hiring of Luke Getze a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I like the relationship that he had with uh, our smug friend in <laughs> uh, in Green Bay uh, because the because when you break it down, uh, that smug friend is perhaps the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. Uh, He also uh, plays a role at quarterback, a style that is similar to what we think uh, number one is going to be doing. Fields is definitely not a pure running quarterback. He definitely, at least to me, is more of a passer first. Runner second. Mm-hmm. And Rodgers is too. Rodgers has mobility. He has actually very good mobility. Yeah. Uh, but he uses it primarily to get him in a better position of evading the defense and putting himself in position to have his receivers downfield follow him and then he delivers the ball that's how he's able to kill teams all the time and extend plays and yeah it comes out looking genius because you it's one thing if you do it once it's a whole nother thing when you do it a hundred times
1: yeah absolutely i mean like you said right i mean i i hope i mean rogers from what i hear really wanted getsy to stay because he enjoyed working that's with him rumor. right so the fact that Getz is here now is is exciting. I, I think, like you said, he should be able to leverage some of his past experience and apply it to Justin Fields. He, he he's a guy that comes from kind of the Kyle Shanahan offensive background, right? So if you if you know how that offense works as intended, there's a lot of movements. There's a lot of getting the quarterback out of the pocket. So that that is that's seemingly a style that's going to fit well with. With Justin Fields, um, you know I, I am a bit concerned that I don't think there's anybody currently on the offensive staff that's ever called plays. But uh, you gotta gotta start sometime, right? So I would hope that Getzey is is ready. I mean, I've I've heard a ton of really really complimentary things said about him and his ability to run an offense and to get the most out of quarterbacks in specific. So I would say that. In lieu of hiring somebody that was an established, you know, proven offensive coordinator, this is probably about as good as you could feel.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I still, I, I, feel very good about the hire. Um, a running theme that seems to be with uh, this whole change um, that I feel strongly about is I feel like we got passionate individuals who really want to dig their teeth into this new, uh, this new challenge. Uh, I, th- I felt like it was reflected in what Justin Fields said when he was up there. He seemed legitimately uh, um, excited about it. And I got to say, even, it's, it, again, it's a little subtlety, but the whole um, uh, Eberflus walking right up to Fields and giving him a big hug and saying hello, uh, it, yeah, it's maybe it means nothing. I think it means something, though. To me, it shows, you know what, hey, I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited to meet you because uh, we need you to be the guy. Yeah. And we believe that you can be the guy.
1: I, I think that's great, too. Another thing that I really loved that I forgot to mention earlier that Ryan Pohl said was when he was talking about player development. And he said that development starts by finding what the player does well emphasizing that and then improving on the weaknesses <laughs> good call like contrast that with <laughs> what we've seen for the last four years which is <laughs> i don't care what you do well here's my system <laughs> right. run it like so i mean that, i mean that just makes such perfect sense to me like but wait i'm not a center well you are now yeah yeah they, they didn't call me in here to run the eye formation <laughs> right like you know it's 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 going to be, I think, a breath of fresh air for Fields, right? I mean, I think they're bringing in coaches that, a, have a vested interest in in him improving, but at least from what I've gathered, are going to be much more flexible than what we saw from Matt Nagy, right? And when I say flexible, it means adapting your offensive game plan to the talent that you have on the field, not having Justin Fields taking a seven step drop against Miles Garrett who's one on one with <laughs> Jason Peters, right? Like Correct. It, 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 we're gonna see, I mean, right now everybody's excited. This is before anybody stepped on a field, and everything we know is words, right? So we're gonna see how it plays out, but I, I feel good. I, I feel you know what though, in that,
0: words are powerful though. <laughs> they are powerful. Because they usually lead to action right? And that's the thing, is it's it's just words, right? And we just saw quite a bit of that with the previous uh, GM. Mm -hmm. That's
1: one thing, but these guys seem action-oriented. I think so, too. I mean, they they seem like they're communicating their message well, right? Like, as opposed to what we, and I don't remember what I would have said about Matt Nagy four years ago, but by the end of it, everything he said was just such word salad yeah that just had absolutely no meaning behind it right like maybe he was just lost too is this but, thousand island yeah it's like i hate thousand island it's like matt we we asked you if you thought about running in that situation why did you have to explain that in seven <laughs> paragraphs none of which included the word yes or no right like <laughs> so you know i i i hope that we're getting people that have more leadership experience than Matt. Well, I know, I know we are. <laughs> yeah. And, and I hope that they apply that better. I, I will say the Raiders hiring McDaniels had me a bit uh because the bears didn't interview him. And I think that I would have had him at the top of my candidate list. Just because he's got such a great reputation for yeah. being an offensive genius, now I mean, we looked at him, we liked him. Yeah, I mean, I I still do. I I mean, he's got obvious bust potential, right? Because he flamed out spectacularly in Denver about ten years ago when he was their head coach, and he did so poorly with it that a lot of people said that he was never going to get another job. So I mean, a lot happens in That's ten years. A lot happens in ten years. A A lot, a big part of his issue is people skills. So yeah, you you know, that might be a more developed part of him. I mean, so we're going to, we're going to see how that plays out. But also
0: in, in, you got to remember there's always, there's always different perspectives and alternatives. And one of them is, well, when you look at the perspective that yeah, he did, he totally crashed and burned in Denver, but he also had all of that experience as a head coach, yeah. as being on the forefront, because that was the Jay Cutler well, I was disaster. Just, I was just about
1: to say two of the players that he had major problems with were Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, I I I don't think that he, McDaniel's was blameless, far from it. But I'm sure there were yeah. two sides of the story when you're talking about right. those two guys. Right? But you know, so we're gonna see. I mean, I would have been interested in him more so than Iberflus.
0: Yeah, and I and I'm the same way. I this guy was certainly not. I, I didn't want a defensive guy. I wanted Dayball. ball. Uh, I I looked at Brian Dayball's resume uh, when I was looking at head coaches, and his resume to me is by far the best. Uh, I think it's unequaled, and I. I was bummed that he got snatched by New York and yeah, he might be a bust, but I'll tell you what, he's got a lot of great stuff on his resume that puts him in a position to be successful. Now we, you know, that's all well and good. We didn't uh, necessarily get our top, our our top choice, but our, our new GM got his choice. And to me, that means more because That way, he has an open line of communication with the guy that he stood behind and said, you know what, you're my guy, I don't care what anybody else says, you're the dude that I'm going to put in charge, you're the one that I have faith in, I believe in you. And
1: that, in any job,
0: can be huge.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I mean... If, I think if he wanted Dayball, I think Dayball would be the coach of the Bears right now. Right. I don't know about McDaniels because I don't think that... Well, I certainly didn't know he was available. The Bears never interviewed him. So I am interested... Actually, maybe he wasn't. He might not have been, right? I mean, yeah. same thing with Harbaugh, right? I mean, I know Harbaugh didn't eventually end up getting the Minnesota job. And, by the way, I, I have to imagine that there's a lot of people in the Bears organization that are pretty happy with that, right? Like, right. I was going to feel pretty bad for Matt Eberflus if Jim Harbaugh got the Vikings job. I'm going to be like, your honeymoon period just got cut <laughs> dramatically, <laughs> right? Like, if if the if Harbaugh comes up here and gets the Vikings in the playoffs and wins a couple of games, people aren't going to be happy with Matt Eberflus no. no matter what he does. But, obviously, that ended up not happening, so... I, I think that everybody's kind of breathing a sigh of relief on that. But, yeah. you know, if 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 truly Poles was given the ability to interview and hire whoever he wanted and that guy ended up being Matt Eberflus, we're going to see if that turns out to be right or wrong, but right. I, I would prefer it over the... Ryan Pace experience, right? Where he hires John Fox and then everybody's kind of like, eh, it kind of wasn't really his, tr- like, no, I'm happy none of that's, hopefully that none of that happened. And I believe that too. I
0: believe that, um, he probably was just kind of given sort of, you gotta take this guy. Um, I, I do think that some of that happened.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, I think that, but was, at the same time,
0: maybe he let it happen. Yeah,
1: exactly, right? Like, what we heard about polls was that he came in here and said, all right, I'm the guy. I'm interviewing all these guys one-on-one, and I'm going to hire my guy. Like, that obviously right. didn't happen with Pace. I think I think Pace probably just got talked into John Fox is kind of the way it, it sounds to yeah. me. Um, yeah, so I guess we're going to see. I mean, there's still a few coaching openings around the league. We're going to see who fills those. But I think the two guys that I would have liked were dayball and uh mcdaniels for sure they obviously got other jobs and we're gonna see maybe they both flame out who
0: knows well and you know the the other thing the other thing about it is that no matter who you hire you're hiring a new guy you and he's going into a new position a new challenge and you don't know how he's going to react to it the only person that knows that has any idea of how they're going to react to it as the person themselves. And they don't even know how they're going to react to it in, in certain aspects. So, um, you know, it's going to be... I'm excited to at least watch it play out. Um, you know, uh, so we were looking at uh, the rest of the fill-ins. Uh, we, we mentioned Luke Getze. Um, and uh, uh, we got Alan, Alan Williams as the a uh, new defensive coordinator he has a pretty good pedigree a uh, former Dungy disciple um and uh you know he he, he um you know that's hand picked by our new head coach yeah. uh he must have made a real impression on uh on Iberflus for Eberflus to be like you know what I, I want you to come with me to this new challenge, and I not only want you to come with me, but I want you to take the position yeah so that's a that's a pretty big deal by any stretch you know that's a huge promotion yeah. i mean if, if you're in the corporate world right if i don't care if you're in a tiny company that's five people, if somebody says suddenly says, "You know what um I, you know I want you to come to this new venture and I want you to be my vice president." That's a big
1: deal. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, the same thing we just said about Luke He applies to the defense, right? right? I mean, this guy is going to be the coach, the head coach of the defense. Like, you would presume is a little bit more involved just because that's his background, but the defensive coordinator on the Bears is in charge of implementing and calling plays. Yeah. So, you're you're running that side of the ball. So, like you said, it says a lot that A, he would follow Iberflus here, B, that Iberflusi would want him, and that he's basically giving him control of the side of the ball that he's most familiar with. So, right. and there's a couple, there's at least one other guy and I think maybe two other Colts assistants that followed Eberflusi here. so. Obviously that means that people believe in him, right? I mean, right. Assistant coaches wouldn't sign another, unless they have no other options, aren't going to sign with a coach that they don't believe in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it, it, it also says to me um, especially with, uh, the, um, with Getzey, uh, as you mentioned, Getzey was known around the league as a comer, right? And he chose to come work for Eberflus over potential, uh, other potential positions, right? Yeah. Not, not only, as you mentioned, staying with the Packers, yeah. right? So he does not, not only does he not stay with the Packers, and yes, it is news uh, out there that Rodgers said that he really wanted Luke Getzey, specifically Luke Getzey, to stay in Green Bay. Not only did he leave Green Bay, but he came to the <laughs> <laughs> he comes to the Bears, who hate
1: them more than anyone. So I, I think that's a pretty strong statement. Oh, and you'd have to think with Getzey that. You know, he's not far away from being an NFL head coach. He got at least one interview this year. Right. So I would presume that kind of the final feather that he needs to put in his cap is play-calling experience. So he wouldn't be coming here if he didn't think he had a reasonable probability of being successful. So he must think highly of Justin Fields. Because if Justin Fields comes out next year and bombs, who gets he's not getting a head coaching job? right? Right. Like, he's going to then have to either take another job or he's going to have to go back and be a quarterback coach somewhere. Right. So he's, there. there's a lot of people that are kind of tying their professional career path to the bears right now, which, which is good. Um, and, you know, we're going to see how it all plays out. A lot of these guys are in their current role for the first time. So that's scary, but that also comes with opportunity, right? Like, right. You know, the other option is, like, do you want to hire somebody that's been around forever, like a Pat Shermer? Uh, that wouldn't excite me, so... No,
0: it, it, no, the more uh, uh, prescient uh, example to me is Caldwell. Mm-hmm. We, you know, Caldwell's name was in this the whole way, from the very beginning, right? Yeah. And it ends up that he's not part of the team at all, right? Yeah. Well, um, you know, you were one of the people I, you know, that felt like Caldwell would be a a good addition. I certainly thought that he would have been at a certain level. Yeah. Um, I didn't want him as the head coach, but regardless, what all I'm saying is is that he's a very respected coach uh and he is an offensive mind and he could have brought some uh experience and skills uh, that are respected in the NFL, around the league, uh, to the team, but they they went a different direction. And yeah. so this this uh, core that has been created, mostly pretty young uh, people in it, um, and uh, a, a gathering of not all the same ideas. That's another thing that I'm excited about is that there seems to be people from different places that are coming together to form a new core and no matter
1: who you are you got to be at least a little bit excited about that i think so and we're gonna see how this roster develops throughout the off season. but hopefully on the offensive side of the ball at least there's going to be a lot of new exciting pieces to work with right i mean yeah. fields is pretty much the only, but the only one that's locked in. I mean, there's other guys that'll be here. Montgomery'll probably be here. Mooney, right? But there, there's not that many guys that are even certain to be on the team. And the hope is that the guys that are here are in less of a, a, a role than they currently are now. Like Darnell Mooney was the number one receiver last year. You hope he's down a couple spots in the depth chart, at least one, right? Like <laughs> one. that's nothing against him. He's a fine player, but. Like, we, when we go back to talking about explosive game-changing guys, he's not that. He's not that. So, we're going to see how it all comes together. And, you know, honestly, I mean, just kind of looking at the landscape of the NFC right now, I mean, obviously, we haven't even gotten to the offseason yet, but the NFC is pretty wide open, right? I mean... It really is. There's, right now, I mean, only, what, like three teams in the NFC going into so, next year? And, of course, if, if Rodgers leaves... Yeah, so if Rodgers goes to the AFC, I mean... You got the Rams, they're going to still be good. The Cowboys are good, but, you know, perennial underachieving team there. And then, you know, the 49ers are going to be starting Trey Lance. We'll see how that goes. I mean, there's plenty of room to make a little bit of noise in the NFC, even if you're not really that good, right? Right. So there's an opportunity here. It's not like this coaching staff is going to be coming into a situation where, they're buried in their own division, like the Broncos, for example, are. If they don't get Rodgers, right? Like they're a good team, but they're they're with Mahomes and Herbert and the Raiders, right? So, right, like that's not going to be the case. I mean, there's going to be opportunities next year to win some games. Well, um,
0: it, it, with the with the Bears team, it, if I'm a player with the Bears right now on the roster, I just look at it as this is an opportunity for me to. Reset, yeah, right. And Fields talked about that some, right? Yeah. I mean, here you have your um, potential, your your starting quarterback and potential star, yeah, right, sitting there just saying, you know what, this is this is. I'm I'm all about this. I feel like we're we're getting a new chance here. We wiped slate clean. Uh, and that feels good to just about anybody yeah, I mean, that's you, in a can, hard situation. Can you situation. imagine how excited he has to be to not work with Matt Nagy? <laughs> <Like. laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and, and so that goes for the other guys too. Uh, you know, it, maybe Mooney does have another gear, right? Um, to me, his problem primarily this year was catching the ball consistently. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's pretty obvious to everybody. Uh, do I think he's a number one? No, I don't, and we've talked about that at ad nauseum. But, um, but I do think he is a nice young piece. Right? Uh, we, we're just saying it. Montgomery, I think he's a nice young piece. Uh, Herbert behind him, a nice young piece. Maybe even Cole Shaheen is <laughs> a nice young piece. But um, there are there are guys there, right? Uh, one that is interesting also to look at is. James Daniels, because James Daniels is UFA, and we definitely need help on the offensive line, and other than his injury, um,
1: he seemed like he's one of the guys to help build around. Yeah, I mean, with him, right, I mean, he's going to get a nice contract from the Bears or somebody else, but you need solid players on the line right like yeah and uh, forgive me off the top of my head has has he played a full season i think he has um uh, or maybe 15 games because like that's like a big thing with offensive linemen right like you talked about last week the last bears team to go to the super bowl yeah like that was the last time a bears offensive line all played together every game during the year yeah and like there were some good players on that line but there weren't great players no. other than Krutz, right? Right. But, like, a lot of times, like, continuity and being available is more important than being a really, really talented offensive lineman if you, if you can't stay on the field, right? Like, that's that's something that we talked about all the time with, like, Charles Leno, right? Like, yeah. nobody's going to say that Charles Leno was a great left tackle. No. Like, you could argue he wasn't even really that good, but he played every single game every year. Every single game. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. So... You know, it's it's Well, you could be the greatest player in the world if you don't play. Yeah. Nobody's exactly. gonna know it. Kyle Long, right? Like, yeah, great offensive guard, couldn't stay on the field. Couldn't stay on the field. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they how they approach that. I mean, you just spent two draft picks on tackles last year I wouldn't be upset if you spent another couple draft picks on the line this year, right? I mean, I wouldn't be upset if they spent every draft pick that they have on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> like, you you need to build out that side of the ball more and and give Fields every opportunity to be as successful as he can. So uh, so just to, just to uh, throw this in there, that certainly the draft
0: will be, uh, the free agency in the draft will be pretty exciting, right? Yeah. Because we got all new guys uh, doing this, Right, and we they only have five picks to work with in the draft, so something's gonna have to happen there. I I don't know what, but it, to me, it looks like they're probably gonna have to trade down. But yeah, polls showed last year that he can get offensive linemen, he gets two starting offensive linemen out of the same draft, and both of them graded
1: out really high in metrics right and not like super high picks either right like no one, know, one was all. a second rounder but the creed humphrey the guy we were talking about earlier was a sixth round pick. he was a sixth rounder right and i think he was the one that graded out higher of the two yeah. actually yeah he's the one yeah yes. so
0: you know the, it, uh the way i see it though is this is this opportunity for everyone on the team to say you know what i, I am a guy that you want here yeah everybody's got that opportunity. And then for them to go in and uh, have this whole new vision of the board uh, is is very exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the old Ditka story, right? Like when Ditka addressed the team for the first time and it was like, I got news for you. I got good news and bad news. The good news is we're going to win the Super Bowl in three years. The bad news is most of you won't be here, <laughs> right? Like right. that's that's the philosophy right now. Is it's it's a clean slate. Everything that happened before gets wiped clean, good and bad, right? Like anything good you did before doesn't matter to these guys. Same as as your, you know, potential poor performance in some cases. So. It's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, I think there's a couple of guys that everyone has in mind that might be on their way out, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it'll be it'll be fun to watch because it's it's gonna it, it's gonna show up really quickly if these guys are are good, right? Because it's not like you have a high draft pick or you have like a ton of money to throw around in free agency. Like it's gonna it's gonna take some some skills to build out this roster, especially yeah. going into next year. I mean you're going to have to be smart with the draft. Like you said, you you might have to get creative and trying to find a way to get more draft picks, you know, whether that's trading down or whether that's trading players that are currently on the roster to see what you can get. Right. So uh, I'm excited to watch it play out. And my hope would be that a significant amount of resources are allocated to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Ryan Pace yeah. spent a ton of money on defense and a lot of it turned out to be okay. Right. Like a lot of it wasn't, but he, yeah, got, but... he, he got some good players, <laughs> but how did that end up working out, right? Yeah, For, I, mean, I mean,
0: when you look at it right now, it doesn't look that good.
1: No, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do with with Mac and Quinn. Yeah. Right? Like I think if you keep both of those and guys and Eddie Jackson yeah. cuz he's got a big number too. But uh, Eddie Jackson though is is not living up to his deal, right? No. Like Neither is Mac. you could argue, but Mac Mac is still a, a productive player if he he's is. healthy. Quinn's an interesting one because he's how old? 32? 31, I think. So he just had a really, really good year, but it's like, do you want to bet on that again? Or is he a guy that maybe you sell high on and say, we can't necessarily count on him to repeat that, especially given his age? Like, yeah. can we get a, a third round pick for him?
0: Well, he, he has like 11 and a half, and then pace gets him and then he has 2 and then he <laughs> has 18 and a half.
1: Yeah. What? Yeah, something weird was going on with him in 2020, but you know, he's he's if if he repeats that then he's a player that anybody would want was on their it, team.
0: I guess that new thing is smoking toad venom
1: or that... <laughs> I don't know. But I uh, so that's going to be interesting to see like or do they go like a complete rebuild on the defensive side of the ball and say we're going to trade mac and quinn get maybe a third and a fourth round pick in return and use that to start rebuilding some of this roster it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it i mean there's plenty of different directions they can go i mean i'm sure they're still figuring out to themselves you know to a degree right i mean i'm sure that they're in there breaking down tape from the last couple years and evaluating everybody on this roster i mean yeah when i say that there's guys that are probably (laughs) on their way out i mean i think eddie jackson could be one of them right i mean Matt Eberflus is a high-effort guy, and if you're not putting in max effort on every play, you're not going to be around. I mean, Eddie Jackson, you could say that effort has been an issue. I don't know if that's fair or not, but focus and attention to detail certainly have been an issue with him.
0: So, um, what do you do with Allen Robinson? Uh, Just your personal opinion.
1: I think, I mean, I think I'd need to know more, right? I mean, it's like, he's another guy that it came out in an article recently that Matt Nagy blew off after the 2020 season, I think. Yeah. Robinson was trying to meet with Nagy to understand his future, and Nagy just didn't meet with him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I could kind of understand it if he was a bit disgruntled and checked out, <laughs> because if the if, it's one thing if you're mad about your contract, but it's another thing if the franchise isn't even showing you, like, the basic level of professional respect right, that right. you that you should be entitled to, right? Even, so,
0: even as an employee
1: in just a corporation. Yeah, exactly. Like, if, if your boss makes it clear to you that they don't want to give you the time of day, I, I don't <laughs> It's I, hard I, to get motivated. Yeah, I don't necessarily blame him. So like, if that was the only issue, and if he's all in 100% right now, then yeah, I would. If, if, if he was injured and you think that that's going to affect him going forward, or if you think that giving him a a new regime to work with, isn't going to fix the problem, then I wouldn't bring him back. I mean, if he is able to return to the form that he played to before last year, then I would bring him back at a reasonable price. Yeah.
0: So, you know, and that's the thing is, how much of it was him uh, being disgruntled? Uh, I can't think of another way to put it. I, I... While I do see in the human dynamic many parts, many moving parts, right? And I'm sure that's the case with Robinson. Some of it comes down to you can't shirk the responsibility that you put on yourself, Mm -hmm. right? That's in life. And he was the second highest paid receiver in the NFL last season. (laughs) And somehow... Just, uh, it just was an an utter, uh, utter loss at
1: just about every fa- facet of his job. Well, one thing that I think that is becoming more clear about Matt Nagy is that if he doesn't like you, he really doesn't like you, right? I guess, like, yeah, he's the he's the teacher that once you anger too many times, just stops calling on you in class, <laughs> right? Like, right. So, I think, you know, we've seen that in a couple cases. We saw that with with Nick Foles, I think. I mean, Nick Foles called Matt Nagy out on Monday Night Football two years ago. And Matt Nagy, basically last year, only started him in the one game because he was absolutely forced to. And then, even though Nick Foles played well in that one game, the next game, as soon as someone else was ready to go, Andy Dalton was back out of him, right? Like, even So, like... I think Dalton was even like, why are you starting me? Yeah. So, like, could something like that have happened with Robinson? I mean, was Matt Nagy calling plays that weren't designed to go to Allen Robinson? I, there's I, probably some of that. I'd love to know. I, I think if that were the case, that, you know, we've we've heard enough leaks coming from Allen Robinson's camp that I think that would be out there, but yeah. maybe it will come out, right? I mean, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the people in that building well, maybe not anymore, but did know what the true root cause of that issue with him was. And I I think that's got to inform the decision about if you want him back at all and and if you do, what contract to give him. Yeah. So, um,
0: you you know, I'm interested in it too, uh, simply because this is a total regime change and he has a chance to show who he was. And I certainly respected him as a player uh, when he he first... um, Started to when he first came to Chicago and as he uh, grew as a player in Chicago. Uh, it was tough to watch last year because I just as just as an individual, it's hard for me to clear him of any uh, wrongdoing because I just don't see that as a, as a person in general. You have to take responsibility of yourself even though the situation is not ideal or maybe even good, uh, but he still has to own some of that, right? And now when you know when it comes uh, to that time, I think it'll be very interesting to see how the Bears handle it. Now, he is UFA right now, yep, so, maybe nothing will come. Maybe there won't be any commentary on it at all. They don't have to make any commentary on it because he's not even on the team anymore. Technically, you know? No. Nope. Uh, so, um, but the, but having a top flight receiver is definitely on any list for the Chicago bears and, uh, who fills that spot is going to be contentious and, on the cover of every publication around Chicago, right? Because, uh, like you said, while Mooney is a fine player, is a nice player, he
1: is not a one. Now, whoever, whoever that they bring in as their number one receiver next year, is going to be the most focused on person on the Bears other than Fields? Yeah, because
0: Fields—that's the guy. He's got to have a guy to throw the ball to. Yep. I mean, that's what. And if you look around the league, all the rest of the really
1: good teams in the league have a guy. Yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to know too. I mean, when you hear about polls talking about again explosive, violent players, like that's not really Allen Robinson, right? Like well, Allen Allen Robinson's a really good receiver. But he's not the kind of guy like Tyreek Hill that's just going to run past you and there's not a thing you can do to stop me. Right. Like, there's not that many of those guys in the NFL. So, I I would hope that if they have the opportunity to bring back a guy like Allen Robinson, they wouldn't necessarily let his. Cup has some of that, too. Yeah, his style of play stop them from doing so. Because I think Allen Robinson, when right, is a really, really productive player. But we're going to see. I mean, maybe they don't even want him. Yeah. We're going to find out. Yeah.
0: Um, so uh, I think uh, we'll go ahead and uh, 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 finish it up here. Um, we were going to, we, so uh, after a review of, what, what was the other thing that we wanted to talk about? I don't know. Programming the podcast on the air here. <laughs> <laughs> It's cold outside. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and use that as an excuse. Uh, No, uh, obviously, really exciting. uh, Really exciting development. I think we're kind of uh, at that point now. The roster, uh, the Bears coaching roster is pretty much filled out. And now we're waiting to see, uh, for March, we're waiting to see uh, free agency. So... That will be the next big thing. Um, uh, Make sure
1: to uh, uh, get your questions in. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to need, especially now that there's not games to talk about, we're going to be looking for listener contributions so that we can kind of continue to keep this podcast as interesting and relevant as it can be, right? I mean, Tom and I could sit here and talk about whatever we want for (laughs) hours, but you know, we want to make sure that we're responding to the questions that people have. So keep sending them in.
0: Yeah. Look at us on, uh, Apple podcast and Spotify and Twitter at at bears underscore Scat. All right. Uh, thanks a lot guys. Uh, till next week. Bear down.